Hey, yo, 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 what is up? It's your humble correspondent, John Ross Marcus Cox with the Way Too Much JRMC Podcast. How's everybody doing today? It's an exciting day. It is election eve here in the state of Kentucky, here in this uh, in the United States of America. I don't know about y'all, I've been waiting for this day for a long time. And I, every ounce of me wants to be like super you know, excited about tomorrow, but I'm just, a, I'm a pessimist by nature, but I'm trying to, keep my positivity going you know going into tomorrow and i think we are uh primed for a for a huge night if you are a um conservative person right you know i don't want to say republican because i don't think you need to be a republican to not want to put diapers on your kids faces to not want porno mags in your elementary school libraries to not want to force kids that aren't at risk of a virus to test every day before they have their chest competition. You know, or if you if you don't need to be a Republican to uh, not like all the hate thrown towards parents just because they want to have a say in their kids' education. You know, you don't need to be a Republican to be mad because they wouldn't let you go to church. Because they wouldn't let you go to your grandma's funeral. You don't need to be a Republican to be pissed off. If you're here in Louisville, Kentucky, whenever you start seeing the school board priming the pump to put kids back in masks right now in, in November of 2022 because of the flu coming back. You got to be a Republican for that. So I don't want to say it's going to be a Republican wave. It's just going to be a, a, it's an American wave. It's time for us to become Americans again. Americans are pioneers by nature on the frontier, blazing a trail, no fear, working away in the on the assembly line at Ford, working long hours as a teacher in the coal mines. It's time to get back to that and not there's nothing wrong with enjoying being in the grind, being in the trenches. That's all. That's who we are. So people have been asking me, you know, what I think this election is going to be about. That's what I think it's going to be about. Just trying to get back to being regular people instead of being so like scared of everything. I think it's going to be about education, the future, the future outlook of the public education system. I think it's going to be about do we care more about climate change or do we care more about how much it costs to put gas in our tank? Because again, this is a this is America. I don't want to live in a country where we're all driving around Priuses. I have no problem with you driving a Prius. But I don't want us to be a country where everybody drives a Prius. We like big stuff in this country. We like SUVs. We like Hummers. We like have some situation you window there. Sorry about that. We like driving suburbans and excursion big those old school Ford diesel excursions and uh we get excited when the Bronco when the new Bronco's coming out and then we get pissed off whenever it ends up being a little bitty thing. You know do we want people that are worried more about having a twenty dollar minimum wage or someone who's actually just going to focus on keeping milk prices low 
I mean, the Democratic Party has done nothing but destroy this, but destroy this country over the last twenty-five years. I say I ain't saying it's always been bad. I ain't saying that. I ain't saying unions have always been bad. There's raising coal miners in East Kentucky still making like twelve dollars an hour. Whenever every other you know, profession like that is making thirty bucks an hour, it's because they didn't unionize in the twenties, right? But I want to point you. Well, first of all, I guess I need to, first of all say thank you all for coming back and listening to me. Like always, you can find me on all the audio platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Podcast, iHeartRadio, all that good stuff. Find me on YouTube, video-wise, and on Rumble. Um, you know, please like, subscribe, like, like, subscribe, comment, share, all that good stuff. You know, get it, get it, get the show in the algorithm and get it, um, get it growing on a grassroots level. So, today, obviously I'm in Kentucky, but today is going to be a nationally focused podcast. I'm not, you know, obviously I'll bring up some Kentucky names and election people you need to be voting for, but I think that it doesn't matter if you're in Iowa, North Dakota, Texas, Florida, Kentucky, Idaho, did I already say that? Or certain places in California, New 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 Hampshire, I think it's going to be a a referendum on kind of the same stuff. And that's just the fact that, like, in this country, we are not down with the stuff, and we're not down with the direction the Democratic Party is trying to take this country. And I think that most people, they pissed off the wrong people with the COVID stuff, and we're people, listen, we're stubborn. We are not going to forget I'm gonna point you to a Daily Wire article. Daily Wire, it's Ben Shapiro's, um, Ben Shapiro's uh, news podcast and website, new, news media organization that he has there. <clears throat> this article is, starts out recently. Brown University professor Emily Oster penned an article in the Atlantic that comes straight out of the "Are You Joking?" file. That this request comes on the pages of the Atlantic is especially amusing, considering the publication spent years as the mouthpiece for big government and big pharma by demonizing those who dared to question the wisdom of America's COVID response and vaccine efficacy. Past articles on its page have included the anti-vaccine right brought human sacrifice to America. That was in January of this year. Unvaccinated people need to bear the burden, August of last year. Some Americans no longer believe in the common good, August of last year, among others. Now, however, this same magazine... The Atlantic has suddenly decided to appeal to the better angels of the nature and those it attacked by asking for a COVID amnesty. It is hard not to view this olive branch as a tacit admission that they are coming to realize how catastrophically wrong they were in supporting the now self-evidently destructive COVID protocols. So this Emily Oster goes on to say, the people who got it right for whatever reason may want to gloat. Those who got it wrong, for whatever reason, may feel defensive and retrench into a passion that doesn't accord with the facts. All of this gloating and defensiveness continues to gobble up a lot of social energy and to drive the culture wars, especially on the internet. I don't want to gloat. I just want to get you out. You don't get a pass on this. We elect you to govern in the worst possible scenarios, and you all failed. We put you in there to govern when it's the bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, two outs on a full count. 
We put you in there so we can call you out of the bullpen. You get strike three. You get a ring for throwing one pitch. We don't let you so that you can come in and walk the guy and you can watch your bow celebrate around you because you just gave the win to the other team. That's one of the things about what do they say with uh, great power comes great responsibility. I mean, I think everyone agrees with that statement. You had great power, you had great responsibility, and you did not uphold your end of the bargain. So this article goes on to say, first off, no one wants to gloat. And this is a great analogy. No one wants to gloat any more than someone that would want to gloat who tried to warn that the Titanic was steaming straight for an iceberg when the vessel went under and 1,514 lives were lost. It doesn't take a CDC official, the author goes on to say, or even a brown economics professor to understand the implications behind basic statistics and thus realize who is in danger and who is not from this or that pathogen. We knew early on kids were not at risk. I still, to this day, remember my wife and I sitting there in front of the news, listening to our idiot governor, Andy Bashir <clears throat> talk about these numbers. And we started saying, did, did that chart just show what I think it showed? There's been no, there, at that time, there had been no kids die, die from it. None. As of early 2022, there had been 11 children in the state of Kentucky that the entire pandemic, or whatever you want to call it, that had died with COVID, not from it, with it. And we had shut school does we had shut schools down for almost two years. We sat that we were like we had our calculators out because we were trying to like make sure we, our numbers were right. We were like, is that is that percentage that we're saying in our heads right? Because it can't be if we're doing all this crazy nonsense. <laughs> but by God, it was. Article was on anyway. I've thought about your desire for an amnesty. I think what you really mean, and I would change to say, I think what you really want is forgiveness. The author says, well, here's my answer. You ask for forgiveness for throwing a generation of kids learning back decades courtesy of your inane school lockdown policies, policies that appear to be less about the science and more about placating radical, entitled teachers' unions using COVID as a pretext for paid vacations. You ask for forgiveness for that? I deny your request. You ask for forgiveness for my high schooler being relegated to a screen isolated in his bedroom as a substitute for classroom instruction and interaction? Request denied. You ask for forgiveness for the last year and a half of college my daughter will never get back even though we're still required to pay full tuition. Denied. You ask forgiveness for the inconsistent, arbitrary, utterly nonsensical COVID restrictions that branded biker rallies as super spreader events and prevented one from walking alone on the seashore while giving Black Lives Matter and Antifa rallies a free pass. It was older than billions of dollars in, in damage to businesses and everything. And 
police officer injuries. You asked for forgiveness for forcing my father-in-law to die alone in his hospital bed. Denied the comfort of having his family around him. You asked for forgiveness for my 90-year-old mother's COVID funeral restrictions preventing a proper celebration of her life. You ask for your blind you ask for forgiveness for your blind obedience to the state, sacrificing all journalistic integrity in favor of your role as a postmodern incarnation of Pravda. You ask for forgiveness from those you once labeled as racist or xenophobic because they weren't buying the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Proffered story that COVID emerged from a wet market and not the daggone Wuhan Institute of Virology that was literally right across the street. Request denied. You ask forgiveness for those on social media who were labeled science deniers, even accomplices to murder, and promptly deplatformed to fame demonetized for speaking what we now know is the truth. Denied. You ask for forgiveness for your brazen, chilling, and continued calls for censorship. Negative. You ask for forgiveness for those hundreds of thousands who were forced to shut down their small businesses, losing their entire livelihoods, while large retailers like Walmart, Home, Home Depot, and even freaking liquor stores remained open. The freaking emphasis was mine. Let's go ahead and add in Walmart, Amazon. Net. The you know, all the uh, all the um, you know media providers, Netflix and Amazon Prime and all all that. You ask for forgiveness for forcing a nascent vaccine on mass populations, many of whom we knew faced little statistical risk from catching COVID, including children as young as six months freaking old, and you're still doing it. A vaccine that we now know neither prevents infection or spreads the virus. You ask for forgiveness for the destruction of the credibility of what should be vital health institutions like the CDC and NIH. Again, denied. You ask, to, you ask us to forgive our tax dollars going to fund a government that acted as a sales force for Big Pharma, thus, de- thus delivering over $60 billion in profits to vaccine manufacturers. I'm from Southeast Kentucky. My dad died of an opioid overdose. This has happened before. And it was your fault then too. Go watch Dope Sick on Hulu. Finally, and most mind-boggling of all, you ask forgiveness because you claim that we didn't know any better. Damn it, I knew. My wife knew. We know we got people around us that was that, that, that knew. Everybody at our homeschool little cottage school knew. You can't say it's money morning quarterbacking when the same people have been telling you from the jump that you're overreacting. Especially when it came to children. You can't say, well, we didn't know then. I've been saying the same thing the whole time. So you you cannot say I didn't know. You can't. And maybe all you didn't, but we did. 
article is on to say we've been saying it for years in fact those who did know but those who did know better did try to speak up but instead of engaging in healthy fact-finding discussions with us you actively sought instead to silence demonize ostracize and even wish death upon anyone who didn't toe the accepted line even as it kept changing The people for whom the Atlantic, and I'm going to add this, along with school boards, teachers unions, the Democratic Party, Democratic governors like Andy Bashir, school board members like James Craig and Corey Scholl and Linda Duncan and Diane Porter, they all knew that they were wrong and they know that they know they were wrong. They can say they didn't all they want. The reason, if they didn't know it, there's one reason why. Because they were too stubborn to listen. He says the article from the Atlantic at its core was a plea for mercy from those about to lose power assuming the polls are right. They are coming to realize that they that those who do take over will have a mandate to look very closely at the pandemic and responses including what was done, by whom and who benefited and why. As Obama famously said, elections have consequences. So instead all I will say to you is this. I will see you on Tuesday. No, I cannot forgive you. But can you at least forgive yourself? That's how the author ends this article. And even though these people are going to tell you their whole lives that they forgive themselves, their stark failure to acknowledge anything, any wrongdoing that they've made, tells you that they can't forgive themselves. Because the first step to forgiving yourself is acknowledging what you've done and they refuse to do it they never will i don't think james craig here in my district at the jefferson county public school system school board who's up for election tomorrow it was his baby to make everyone in jefferson county have to test before every extracurricular activity if you were on the chess team you had to test for covid beforehand if you were on the debate team, you had to test for COVID. If you were to play football, you had to test for COVID every single day. No symptoms. Even if you test positive, don't care. It was his baby. He instituted that. They then went as far after that to say, okay, well, if you want to, you want to quarantine for a shorter amount of time, you have to get the vaccine. If you're vaccinated, you can, you can quarantine less. They don't want us to win. Because we are going to find out who benefited from this. And I'm going to tell you right now, it won't just be Democrats. There are Republican people across this country and right here in the state of Kentucky that benefited. That are immorally and unconstitutionally sitting on legislative committees. That at first glance you think they, it just makes sense, makes common sense they'd be on it, but it's in our Kentucky Constitution that you cannot vote on things that you have a direct or indirect relationship with, and that you have and you will and that you could benefit from. Let's see what stocks these people hold, what mutual funds they hold. They don't want us to. So listen, the hard right 
I don't want to say the hard right, the establishment right, the country club Republicans, they don't want us to win either. We coming though. So that's James Craig for you. He's also trying to act like he is the parents, the parents voice, parent choice candidate. I'm gonna say you tell you right now. I sat at the I sat at Starbucks with two other individuals, and we we all three said parent choice, parent voice. And I can tell you right now, brother James Craig, you was not there. Jimmy Craig. Everybody call him Jimmy Craig, please. And move on to Corshaw. Move on to all any Demo- anybody who leans left. If you're voting for a Democrat, if you vote for a Democrat, you're voting for people who are proponents of transgender activism in schools and that do not support parents' rights. And I got news for them. These next two articles I'm talking about, this is one of them, this is the title. This crazy left, this gender-obsessed left, they will, they will have to pry my babies from my cold, dead hands. If I got to homeschool them, I'll do it. If I got to go out here and, and, and encourage every parent in this city to move their kids out of the public school system, because I know they're in there because they want to play sports, I'll coach them. And we'll go 10-1 and and win championships and do things the right way. And you can hold me accountable, unlike the public system wants you to wants you to be able to do. So this is by Tyler O'Neill from the Daily Signal. It says Americans are waking up to the threat of transgender activism in schools, while President Joe Biden tries to tie lunch tie school lunch money to transgender policies, and California Governor Gavin Newsom threatens to remove kids from their parents if the parents refuse to treat their boys like girls, or vice versa. Americans know that schools should not indoctrinate kids with the noxious idea that biology means nothing. We talked about this on the show a couple, a couple months ago. This isn't a California issue, a New York issue. There are teachers in Kentucky, verified teachers, that have argued with me about how they would not notify a parent if they knew a minor in their classroom was pregnant. Because it's a potential their kid could be harmed. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing air quotes for everybody that can't see me. Harmed. Our school board here in Jefferson County, they have, they have all encouraged all these obscene material books to be removed from, cla- from, from libraries. If it was up to, especially... Crazy Chris Kolb, they'd still be in mask, and even James Craig and even McIntosh, Sarah McIntosh, she's even planting seeds already today on Twitter about how, oh no, it's coming back. I'm telling you all right now, these kids will be back in mask in two weeks if y'all do this. And do not, you can't blame them anymore. It'll be your fault. If these people in Jefferson County, we can flip the board. If we don't, it's our fault. We have to organize and get on the grassroots level and realize that none of us are going to be the hero. It's one person at a time changing minds. Many on the left support transgender lessons in school, oppose any idea of parental opt-outs, and vocally push unfettered childhood access to treatments that will leave kids stunned and scarred and infertile. 
Yet new polling suggests that vast majorities of registered voters in both parties oppose transgender lessons in school and support parents' rights to opt their kids out of any such lessons. Many also oppose transgender treatment for kids. A whopping 72% of registered voters said schools should not teach children that they can change their gender. While 62% said that it is never appropriate for schools to teach kids they can change their gender. According to an RMG research poll. Requiring parental buy-in on the issues is, ex- is also extremely popular. 80% of registered voters said yes to the question, regardless of grade level, if schools do teach children that they can, reach, they can change their gender, should parents be given advance notice and the choice to opt out their children from the curriculum? 88% of Republicans, 74% of Independents, 71% of Democrats support a parental opt-out, uh, opt-in, opt-out right. Sorry, support an opt-out right. Now, I'm the one, I don't like opt-outs. I'd rather be an opt-in. Put the onus on them. You either get the opt-in, if you don't, if you don't, get the, if you don't have it in your hands saying you can teach it, then you, you assume you can't. When asked, when asked, should schools teach children that they can change their gender, majorities of self-identified Republicans, 90%, 75% of independents and Democrats, 51% said no. Only 10% of registered voters and minorities of Republicans, 5%, Independent 60% Democrats, 20% said yes. At what grade level, if any, is it appropriate for schools to teach children that they can change their gender? Large majorities of Republicans, 80%, and 63% of independents said it is never appropriate. Even 41% of Democrats agreed. There was only 4% of registered voters that said it is appropriate to tell this to elementary school children. 4%. But this the left wing which the Democratic Party is the is the is the hard is the far left now. They're the they're the people for that want 40 abortion up to 40 weeks maybe even after they take six breaths out of the womb. Gender activists often dismiss the concerns of parents when it comes to trans- transgender issues. They encourage schools to hide the truth of the matter from a child's parents if a boy or girl claims to identify as the opposite sex. Here in Jefferson County, Oldham County next door, which is very conservative, all over this state of Kentucky. This is in the school's procedures. They're not going to tell you. Because they're afraid of you harming them. They don't, they don't think, oh my gosh, this is their, this is their parents. They love them more than anyone. And these people, anyone who identifies as a transgender is at an extremely high percentage likelihood of having suicidal ideation. Maybe those parents would want to know so they can love on them a little bit. That don't even cross their minds, people. Out of those registered voters, only 12% said the school should not notify parents. 12%. Those people are crazy. Please, I just wish they would let me know who they are so I can not be around them. I'm not your friend. I don't want to like you. I don't, I, I'm not even mad at you. We just need to not, we just need to agree to literally have no contact with one another. Most registered voters, 60%, said it would be a form of child abuse if a teacher or school encouraged students to change their school their gender identity. 
a similar majority said, 60% said it would not be a form of child abuse if parents encourage a child to retain his or her biological gender if he or she expressed a desire to transition to another gender. So this idea that it's harming kids if parents don't go all in because they're seven-year-old has something ridiculous to say. When asked if they support or oppose a policy to require all public schools to treat people according to their chosen gender identity, allowing a biological male who identifies as a female to compete in women's sports and use the women's locker room, most registered voters, somewhat opposed, 16%, or strongly opposed that policy, 53%, while only 9% said they strongly favor it, 11% saying they somewhat favor it, and 11% were unsure. So even if I'm being totally generous and giving them, given the people that are okay with that, all of those undecideds, we're still at 70-30, 69-31. Seven and ten people think it's ridiculous to let a biological male compete in girls' sports. 2021, a Gallup poll found that 62% of U.S. adults said that transgender athletes should only be allowed to play, this, play on sports teams that match their birth gender. Previous Gallup polling had found a clear liberal-conservative split on transgender bathroom issues. So again, I don't care if you have a D by your name, your, your registration is Democrat. If you think it's ridiculous for a biological male to play girl sports, you have to vote straight Republican ticket tomorrow. Please open your mind and be willing to hear something different. Most registered voters, 56%, said that conducting gender transition surgery on a child is a form of child abuse, and most of them, 73%, said children should not be able to receive this treatment without their parents' permission. The pollsters also asked if children are allowed to receive gender-affirming care without their parents' permission, who should pay for it? This is the telling one. So again, only 56% of registered voters stated that gender transition surgery on a child is a form of child abuse. Okay, and 59% said it should be against the law to provide this treatment to children. Only 59% said it should be against the law to provide the treatment. Okay, but this one's telling. If children are allowed to receive gender-affirming care without their parents' permission, who should pay for it? Most registered voters in the same poll, 77% said children should not be allowed to receive gender-affirming care without their parents' permission. While 4% said taxpayers should foot the bill, 11% said non-profit should pay for it. Okay, we'll start a non-profit. And 8% said someone else should pony up the cash. Please tell me who the 4% are. Let's give, they can, let's give them their own little state. Let them go there. I don't want them, I don't want them within 100 miles of my kids. Americans are a tolerant people, but they won't be bullied into accepting a lie or putting children at risk. Politicians demanding that schools and doctors push transgender ideology will alienate the vast majority of the American people. The idea that schools should teach boys that they can become girls without any input from parents and then go on to hide a boy's cross-sex identification from his mom and dad is both ridiculous and outrageous. Yes. 
Yet the idea that experimental transgender medical interventions are a form of gender-affirming care may be even more noxious. Removing healthy sex organs based on a child's insistence that he or she is really the opposite sex is nothing short of barbaric. It isn't. It's nothing short of barbaric. This craze seems reminiscent of the horrific history of eugenics, which is, just to remind you, was like a, was a scientifically like erroneous and immoral practice of genetic engineering, often with the goal of like eliminating certain, I mean, certain races. And lobotomies. Which was drilling holes in people's head to try to take away their anxiety and depression. <laughs> America may look back on transgender surgeries the way horrified students of history look back on these progressive phenomena. Americans are rightly waking up to the horror of schools pushing this dangerous ideology, but they should also examine gender-affirming care. The fact that 23% of registered voters think these horrific interventions should be legal for minors who cannot drink, vote, or serve in the military is extremely troubling. 25% of voters think that the interventions themselves should be legal for minors. Not, I mean, like, doesn't mean 25% think that parents shouldn't be notified or anything. I just told you those numbers. Now listen, Americans should sympathize with the deep psychological pain that many who identify as transgender experience, but they should also accept the basic fact that biology cannot be reversed. Males are male under every cell in their body, except sperm cells, obviously, and females are female in the same way. Even the most invasive surgery cannot alter this fact, and indoctrinating kids with this ideology amounts to teaching a religious worldview. And a blatantly false one at that. Protecting children from destructive lies should be a no-brainer, and this polling suggests that Americans understand the fundamental role parents play in keeping their kids safe from this poisonous ideology, and this ideology is running rampant in the Democratic Party. They don't want school board candidates to be partisan because then you'll know the people that are allowing this transgender stuff to continue on are Democrats. This Tyler Nell in a separate article goes on to say, As a father, it's my responsibility to watch out for my children and, and to protect them from the demonic lies and from medical interventions that would leave them scarred, stunned, and infertile. Yet a growing chorus of activists and legislators seem intent on taking children away from parents like me, not because we would harm our children, but because we would protect them from harm. I keep talking about language. It says they couch the language in Orwellian terms like gender-affirming care in order to make it seem like they, not parents, have the children's best interest at heart. These activists insist that if a child barely old enough to grasp basic concepts of grammar, mathematics, or geography, claims that he or, he or she identifies with the gender opposite his or her biological sex, that self-identify must override all other concerns. Woe to any parent who dares disagree with the declarations of an eight-year-old. Last month, I talked about a bill from Virginia... Virginia uh, Democrat Elizabeth Guzman that wanted to define that would that wanted to pass a bill that would define ab as abused any child whose parent or other person or other person responsible for his care creates or inflicts threatens to create or inflict or allows to be created or inflicted upon such child a physical or mental injury on the basis of the child's gender identity or sexual orientation. Last month, 
California Governor Gavin Newsom, a Democrat, signed into law SB 107. This is a law in the state of California. A bill to turn California into a sanctuary state for gender-affirming care. The measure, which will take effect in January, defines gender-affirming care as an absolute right. An absolute right is a right that cannot be limited for any reason. No circumstances would justify a qualification or limitation of, of an absolute right. Absolute rights cannot be suspended or restricted, even during a declared state of emergency, which is what governors used to tell you you couldn't go to church. So they can still tell you you can't go to church and worship your God. But don't you dare try to tell your little boy that just because he wants to play with Barbies that he's a girl, that he's not a girl. It will give California courts the ability to award custody over a child if someone removes a child from his or her parents in another state to obtain such care for that child over the parents' disagreement. This twisted logic enables activists to claim that a parent's disagreement on gender identity constitutes a form of mental harm to a child. The idea that a father's refusing to sign his daughter up for removal of healthy breasts and a healthy womb constitutes child abuse is absolutely stinking absurd. Absolutely stinking was my emphasis added. It requires multiple levels of doublespeak to justify. False terms such as gender-affirming care are necessary to cloak the truth of what is going on. Gender, gender activists and their allies who have, who have infiltrated healthcare organizations often insist that experimental transgender medical interventions which often amount to chemical castration, are essential for gender-confused children to prevent them from committing suicide. How about we just give them a hug and go for a walk with them? Listen to them. Or give them, or, or maybe, just maybe, take away their screens and give them a bedtime and make them do their homework. Discipline equals freedom. Kids want it. They don't want to live in a world where they're told to figure it all out on their own when they're eight. Major medical organizations such as the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, and the Children's Hospital Association not only support transgender medical interventions for children, but sent the Justice Department a letter urging law enforcement to crack down on disinformation. This appeared to amount to reporters who run direct quotes from doctors who offer experimental treatments. This whole deal, as a father, it is my job to protect my children from harm, and this gender ideology threatens multiple harms. Threatens to confuse my young children about what men and women are. Threatens to mutilate their bodies and deprive them of the long-term fulfillment of having children of their own one day. It threatens to deprive them of their father based on how I answer my three-year-old daughter's question, Daddy, are you a man and my girl? It goes on to say, not on my watch. If Guzman or Newsom want my children, they can tear them from my cold, dead hands, and I expect I'm far from alone. And my man Tyler, you are not. We would all, this is, this is me. This is, I'm, not, I'm not reading from the article anymore. We would all be wise to know the hills we, that we're willing to die on. We'd all, we'd all be wise to know what it is in this life we're willing to kill for to defend should those nightmare situations arise 
with this whole deal with indoctrinating children and not and and doing things that we know is against their best interest. It's most certainly one of those hills for me. It's not a threat; it's a promise to take my children and my or from their mother and I. You will have to take me out first. I will not wait for an attorney to represent me. These are my babies. They're your babies. And I know I'm not the only one. So do not let them forget what they did. Shutting down schools and sending kids back home, back into homes without anybody there all day for years. To learn nothing. Back into the house with grandmothers like mine that didn't even have a high school diploma to try to watch and facilitate homework that they had no idea how to do. Back in homes with abuse, domestic violence, drugs, gang activity. Alcohol abuse. Citizens of Jefferson County, I'm begging you, flip this board. Vote for Charlie Bell, Misty Glenn, Steve Olam, and Greg Pacetti. Vote for them. Kentucky can be the tipping point. Because if it's happening here, it's happening everywhere. And if it happens here, by God, it can happen anywhere. That could be a positive too. That's what I'm going to leave you with. And I said this was going to happen back in 2020. They messed with our elections. This came out today. It's from Tim Cast IRL. Substantially more black Latino voters are planning to vote Republican on Tuesday than in 2018 or 2020, according to the findings of a newly released poll. The poll, which was conducted by the Wall Street Journal of all places, found that about 70% of black voters say they will vote with the GOP for Congress, which is up from roughly 8% who voted for Republican in 2018 midterms. Among Latino voters, Democrats only hold a 5 percentage point lead. Latino voters voted for Joe Biden by 28 percentage points in 2020 and by 31% by 31 points in 2018 house races. They're only winning by 5 now. Think about that swing. I think that this could be a paradigm shifted shifting election where Republicans are not only making inroads with Latino vote with the Latino vote, but they're now making inroads with the African American vote as well. It is wholly possible that Republicans reach a new high watermark among both African Americans and Hispanic voters in this election. Republicans say they're chipping away at Democrats with blacks and Latino voters for two reasons. Democrats have taken their support for granted. They absolutely have. If there's two groups of people, two subpopulations of people that disagree with this gender ideology stuff, that disagree with Dare I say a homosexual lifestyle? I was just watching Coach Snoop on Netflix the other day, and he called one of his kids. He said, man, that's gay. He said that, and it wasn't even, nobody even flinched. If a white dude said that, he'd be getting destroyed right now. And I ain't mad at him, because, listen, that's why I'm watching Coach Snoop, because I, I, I agree with what he's talking about. As far as the football stuff goes, obviously, I don't use slurs. But if you watch his show, he's at, he cares about them kids. He's trying to help them get out. 
They've taken you for granted. The GOP has, has also become more proactive with with about organizing in their neighborhoods. Case in point, Chartreux Hall here in, here in Louisville. Now he now works with the Republican Party. The Republican Party in Jefferson County is going into the West End and not asking for anything, just just going there and trying to help in any way they can. It's a new Republican Party. New Republican Party that's that's the party of the working man. I think before long it's gonna be the party of the African American voter. I really I really do believe that. I think it's already the party of the Latino Latino American voter. The party that says stay away from my kids when it comes to masks and vaccines and shots. So stay away from my kids when it comes to this gender uh, gender theory stuff. So get out and vote tomorrow, guys. There won't be a more important election for any of us in our lifetime. I know everybody says that every every election, but this is I've never felt that way before, and I've felt that way this time. We've come too far. So again, Jefferson County, flip the board. I'll be out on the streets tomorrow holding signs, shaking hands. I hope you are as well. But do not let them off the hook. Do not let them forget. And listen to me. Don't you dare forgive them. They do not deserve it. Don't hate them. You don't have to feel any certain type of way like that about them. But they do not deserve to be there and they do not deserve your forgiveness for this. Because we tried to tell them and they would not listen. Go vote. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again soon. Thank you.